Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Healthy Perspectives podcast. Thanks for joining us for today's journey, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining me again. We're going to get right after it. Many people I know um, see this this current uh, Dobbs versus Jackson decision um, as a step backwards. Uh, clinically speaking, not every step back is bad. And my goal in the next little bit is to paint a picture of how steps back can actually be steps forward at times. Um, and I also hope to outline a way in which we can be intentional to make it so. Uh, this is probably going to be particularly tough for, for many people to hear um, as, you know, I am a man and this is, uh, to many people at least, viewed as a women's rights issue. I would like to clarify a few things first um, because it's important to me that, that I know my limitations, right? Like, uh, I'm not trying to be something that I'm not. Uh, it's very important that I be authentic and real uh, because that is, in fact, what clinical work is really all about. Is can, can we help people see ways to be authentic and real? And in order to do that, I have to also be authentic and real. So first, uh, I, I want to outline, I, I've worked really hard in my life to try to do what is right as opposed to what is easy. And to that end, uh, there are times that I have worked with uh, families where parents have literally given up on kids, uh, kids who have literally given up on their families. Um, I've worked with kids who have been adopted and it has not gone well for them. Uh, I've worked with uh, families who have endless means in terms of uh, economic means, um, but have no clue what they're doing as parents. Um, I, I've also worked with amazing and resilient families who have just literally run into some of the most heinous and horrible acts upon them things in this world that should not happen to the family or to the kid um and they have to find their way as well so the whole spectrum there and i do want to say that for me at least i can say with confidence i have most often, I'm, I'm imperfect. I have made plenty of my own mistakes, but most often I have chosen paths in which I have stood for what I believe in, where I am consistent and I, I, I try to live out what I would expect anybody else to live out. Um, and that is, uh, you know, trying to be true to who I am and what I believe. Um, I have over the last I don't know, 20 some years, I have made a living, um, although many times much less of a living than I, I truly think it's, it should be um, in order to help and protect kids. And by kids, I'm talking about, you know, anywhere from, you know, six, seven years old, all the way up to, you know, early twenties. Um, and and it has cost me a lot, but it also it has also been very meaningful and powerful because I believe in the work that I have done. Um, I want to also clarify: I am not one hundred percent, excuse me, 
anti-abortion or pro-abortion. I I think there are are times where, uh, you know, for instance, if if the choice has to come down to the mother or the baby, um, I, you know, one of them is going to live and one of them is going to die. I, I think that's one hundred percent up to the woman. It is not even up to the husband or the boyfriend or anything like that. It is up to the woman. She can choose herself or the baby. And I think that that is um, you know, something to me that's not negotiable at that point. Um, and I would have no hard feelings with either choice. Uh, would, I, uh, w- would I be sad? that that choice was presented and and necessary? Of course, I would have feelings. I just wouldn't feel like that decision by that woman was, I mean, that's just a horrible decision to have to make. And I I would not judge that one tiny bit. And I think that there are abortions that are unhealthy. Um, you know, when you get into that second, that third trimester and, and the baby is, has a heartbeat and the baby is more or less living, um, you know, and we know that now that's the hard part because, you know, if we turn back the clock, even a hundred years ago, there's stuff we didn't know. And, and so I, I find it like we're just in a really tough spot. However, I'm going to get into later on why all of this um, stuff matters. Uh, and so please stay with me. I'm, I'm painting you a picture of me so you know who I am on the inside when I present this stuff. That way you can see all the flaws and all the the, the, the beauty in what I say because they're both probably going to be there to be real because I'm imperfect just like all of you, every single listener. The other thing about me you should know is I, I empathize as best I can. Um, empathizing is a failing proposition from the beginning. We cannot perfectly empathize. It's impossible because I am not you. You are not me. So what I'm asking is that you empathize imperfectly with me. Okay. So stay from, if we stay from that paradigm that we're going to empathize, we're going to try to hear each other out. And it's going to be flawed and imperfect because I cannot be you. I cannot have all of your past experiences, your present experiences, your hopes and your fears for tomorrow. And in all reality, I don't know that you would want me to, nor would I want you to see all of my flaws and all my imperfections perfectly. I mean, it's scary enough that I have to face them. Uh, for you to have to face them too, I mean, it's, I just wouldn't wish that on you. And probably vice versa, if, we, if we're being real. If you go to your deepest, darkest shame spots, those places where you keep secrets, you tell lies, and you are deceptive even to yourself, those really dark holes that exist within each of us, right? If we went into those, you don't want to share those. I mean, we need to share them verbally. We need to, because that's part of the healing process, but you don't want me to have to experience those any more than I want you to have to experience mine. Okay. Um, you should also know that, um, though I can't know your personal experience and you can't know mine, what I can do and what I attempt to do as imperfectly as I do it, I try with everything in me to love uh, 
as deeply as I can, as deeply as I'm allowed to love, right? Now, I'm not talking about that creepy old man, like deep love. I'm talking about agape, you know, the idea of accepting you where you are and for who you are and separating out the behaviors from the person. Because most behaviors, like we, we try to behave in a way that is consistent with our heart's desire, but we're not perfect. And so we get it wrong a lot. All right. I don't assume you're trying to hurt me with your rhetoric. I don't assume you're trying to hurt me because you disagree with me. I don't assume any of those things. What I, what, where I stand is I'm going to try to love you wherever you are. That's my goal as a therapist and as a person, to be real. I was a person long before I was a therapist. And so when, when people say things uh, like, you know, I, you know, Jeremiah, I don't like you. I think you're evil. I mean, it hurts. It hurts me because I was a person long before I was a therapist. And that's coming from a place of pain 99.9% of the time. And sometimes it's pain that I caused and didn't even know I was causing it. I know that I'm not going to cause people pain on purpose, right? Like I'm not going to be like, here, come over here. Let me pinch you until you cry. Like, I just don't want to do that. What I want to do is love you as best I can, knowing that the best I have today should not be the best I have tomorrow. I should get better every day. And I keep working both ends of that, uh, that rope so that eventually my ability to love is greater and my pain that I'm causing other people with is going down. It's shrinking, right? So shrink the pain that I cause people, but grow the amount of love I can give people. So that's my goal. All right. Enough background. Uh, I just know I haven't really done a, a great job in any of my podcasts, probably at explaining who I am at times. Uh, but there's a little snippet for you. All right. The next thing that I need to get into is this real or perceived danger. Uh, real or perceived danger, the, the reality is that's fear. I mean, that, that you look up the definition of fear. It probably says real and perceived or real or perceived danger. So when we have a situation of real or perceived danger, um, fear maybe like at the heart of it. And fear is an emotion. Let's be real. That's what it is. And fear uh, does not necessarily tell us um, what to do. It tells us what we're afraid of. And so when that alarm goes off, uh, there's some things that we can do. I'm going to get into that. I want to explain from a therapeutic lens what we do when we encounter fear. But let me pause because I did tell you there's a step back And sometimes a step back is not a bad thing. If we are raising a child, for all of you parents out there, this is going to be easier to understand probably. But for you that are not parents, this is going to be pretty basic and you're going to get it too. So that's the beauty of this example. You teach your children to wash their hands. So if a kid is washing their hands and all is good, I can step back and I don't have to necessarily be on top of them when they wash their hands, right? So it may start off where, you know, I tell them we're going to wash hands and then I take them to the sink and I have them step on the step stool and then we turn on the water and we make sure it's the right temperature and we go through the different steps, right? And as we teach this, a kid learns how to wash their hands. So the day comes 
I say, hey, go wash your hands. And they run into the bathroom and I hear the water go on. So I'm like, yes, this is good. They're doing it all on their own. You know, I heard the scraping of the footstool and all that good stuff. And then they come out and I say, let me take a look. And they look good. So now I know my child knows how to wash their hands. Beautiful. What do I do in the event that the child comes out and shows me their hands the next time and their hands are dirty? They're still dirty. They're filthy. Does that mean that I need to go all the way back to walking them in there, pulling out this, the step stool for them, turning on the water, doing all of those things for them? Or sometimes it could be as simple as I take one step back. Well, if you didn't wash your hands when you were supposed to wash your hands, then I will come and I will observe. I will make sure that you wash your hands. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just going to take one step back, observe, and watch you do it. I take one step back. The kid goes in. They know now that I'm watching. They pull out the step stool. They step on. They turn on. So I took one step back as a means of taking more steps forward, right? We're teaching habit at this point. And habit takes time. So in a situation like what we're talking about, the idea of taking a, a step back in what is perceived as a loss of freedom, and I'm going to get into that a little bit more in a minute, the loss of freedom may actually be a step forward. All right. Now that's, of course, remember also, <laughs> I should have said this in my, my little background part. I am an optimist. It's the only way I can do what I do. And being under attack sometimes, which I am, I've been under attack verbally. I've been, so in order for me to get through all of that stuff, I have to be an optimist. I, I wouldn't survive it any other way, I don't think. Um, of course, this is what I know, right? I am an optimist and I'm able to compartmentalize to a, enough of a degree that when people do attack me, I can separate their attack from who they are. All right. So that's the optimist in me. All right. So some of you have heard me say perception is not reality. And I want to clarify a portion of that for a moment before I get into all of my points. Feelings are real. Perception is not reality and feelings are real. Okay, so that can be pretty confusing because feelings are fickle. They, they come and they go and they change our perception. But the feeling itself is real. It is as real as anything else. So I say that because there's this natural tension between perception and feeling. We can perceive things differently due to a feeling. The feeling is real, but our perception can be off target, right? I really wanted to highlight that because, uh, because the difficulty of this, this really tough topic, all right? Which means truth still exists in spite of feelings and feelings are part of truth, but it is not necessarily the truth. It's part of the truth. So that's part of the reason why 
that tension is so tough to handle sometimes. All right, point number one I want to make uh, in the social arena. Number one, acknowledge, I acknowledge, I personally acknowledge that this is a, this looks like at least that it could be a slippery slope of freedom, right? We took a step back in order to potentially take steps forward, right? And reversion, remember, is not all bad. Going back doesn't always mean it's bad, but it comes with a certain cost. The idea of the perception, at least, that we're going backwards can make people go, huh, well, then what's next? And then fear kicks in. So all of that makes all the sense in the world to me. Empathetically, I, that makes sense. And it's important to remember that a step back can be a step forward. So I always want to try to keep that in mind as well. Number two, men must step up. I cannot say that with more uh, gusto. You have to step up. If you're a man out there and you're listening to me and you're not meeting your responsibilities as a man, look in the mirror, get your crap together because this is not a woman problem. It takes a man and a woman to make a baby. Now, there are very few, but there are exceptions, right? So if, if somebody goes and, and has uh, in vitro, look, the reality at that point is they're making the choice with their own body and the man is not part of that call or decision. In every other situation, 100% of the rest that I know of at least, we are half of the problem and half of the solution. And so if you're a man out there, you have to step up. A woman cannot typically get pregnant on their own. If we as men were more responsible, more responsible with uh, our, our, our sexual action, more responsible with our economics, more responsible with our family orientation, more responsible with our religious uh, thoughts and feelings, more responsible with uh, our, our communities, if we men were more responsible we would have less of an issue. I guarantee there would be less women trying to get adoptions, trying to get a, a, a abortions because they would have solid men by their side. And the reality is we're screwing that up. So if you're a man out there, I'm speaking to you directly. You and I, we got to step up, not back, not away. We, we should not get quiet right now. We should step up and be men. That doesn't mean we give women everything that they want. It doesn't mean that the women give us everything that we want. It means we work together. We have to get more relational. Men, we have to. It's our responsibility. It's our duty to our community. It's our duty to our family. It's our duty to our, our spouse or our girlfriend. We have to be responsible, which means if you are not prepared to have a baby, if your girlfriend is not prepared to have a baby, you have to make good, healthy decisions. Use protection, have her use protection. Both of you use protections and get double security there, right? Like be smart or have the wherewithal 
to abstain for a while. Now, we know that abstinence doesn't solve all the problems. Therapeutically, I cannot say that it does because it doesn't. But what we know is you can't have a baby if you don't have sex. What we know is you can't get an STD if you don't have sex. We know these things. These things are real. So if you are really not prepared for the potential outcomes, men, then make a different decision. Okay. Wow. All right. I'm, look, this is a hard topic for me because I, I do have a lot of energy on how our culture works because clinically I can see these things all the time. So bear with me as, as we go through this process, hopefully together. All right. You probably just heard me flip the page. Next one, um, get involved in your community. If you are pro-life, oh, oh, I'm coming at some of you. I'm coming at pro-choice, pro-life, and I'm coming after religion. So be prepared. I'm not coming at you because I don't like you, because I don't love you. I'm coming at you because I want you to hear what there is to hear from my perspective, right? As a clinician, pro-life, put time, energy, and resources where your mouth is. If you believe these babies need to live, then we need more people stepping up to adopt. We need more people stepping into the lives of those children who are getting pregnant early or those women who are getting pregnant when they're unprepared. Step into their lives. Don't step back. Celebrate their struggle by not agreeing and affirming their decisions, but loving them. Okay, if you can't do that, then be quiet. Because you're not truly pro-life. What you are is pro-baby, and even that would be negligible in terms of my perception of it. And because if you're not pro-girl and pro-woman and pro-boy and pro-man, if you're not pro their whole life, then why are you so zealous about uh, you know, celebrating the, the unborn child? Okay, pro-choice coming at you now. So hang on there. We're going for a ride. Make good human decisions to manage yourself with respect for yourself and for others in spite of your emotions. Because if you are really pro-choice, really, truly pro-choice, then you know you have choices. You have the ability to choose to react to your emotions in an unhealthy way or a healthy way right now. And if you choose an unhealthy way, like this whole summer of rage garbage, if you're choosing that, you're unhealthy and you probably need to check yourself too, because that's not how we show people to handle business. We have to do it better. So pro-choice, manage yourselves well in the aftermath of this. This isn't over. This discussion is just beginning, in my opinion. Because all this has done is kicked it back to the States, which means there's going to have to be more discussion, not less. Okay, so I came after both pro-life and pro-choice. It's time for me to come after a religion. Um, you know, I, I'm going to clarify. I should have done this in that, that little part at the beginning too. I am Christian. I believe in God. I'm going to clarify that. And the way in which I am seeing religion, uh, Christianity, um, is celebrating this, it drives me absolutely batty. That is not consistent with our teachings, period. The end. 
Anytime we shame someone, this is why it's not consistent. Anytime we shame someone for their decision, it's spiritual abuse. It is not my place. It is not your place to judge that person when the decision is already done and over. Okay. And I totally disagree with people shaming other people. We should not shame them. Accountability is very, very different than shaming them. To celebrate this is to rub it in somebody's face. And the truth is there are hurting people that need our love right now, not our judgment. So get off the high horse and go be with those people and just give them love. Sit there with them in the struggle and love them. Churches have got to step up right now. Put your time, energy, and resources where your mouth is. If you were pro-life and you are pro-life, then you need to support a lot of hurting people right now. And if you're not doing that, then you're being incongruent and you need to get that fixed. So they also need to support kids and families better. Churches have to do that. And that doesn't mean, you know, great, put together a youth group. It's no, get to know the families and when they're in need, give them support. I'm going to paint a tiny picture. As a kid, uh, I was given the opportunity uh, to receive lots of love and affection from a church. I did receive a lot of love and affection. It came in the form of food many times, clothing sometimes, because I grew up ridiculously poor. And I, you know, when we talk about the hidden poverty in America, I was in that category. I am not in that category today, but I definitely was. I want you to know that churches can do this and they can do it well if they choose to be congruent with the teachings. So I'm encouraging churches, please step up and do the right thing. Uh, Christians, above all, you have been persecuted in the past. For you to celebrate the, uh, the potential oppression of women is sickening to me. I, as a Christian, I know my history and I, you know, I've walked in persecution many times. I have been oppressed many times as a Christian. And if we celebrate anybody being oppressed or persecuted, I think we are, are wrong and incongruent. Uh, I think that we have to step up and do it differently. So we, the way to do that, show empathy. Okay. If this is fear, then what? Number one, we acknowledge fear. We don't ignore fear. When, once we acknowledge it, we explore it. That doesn't mean we sit in it forever and ever. We explore it. And then we confront it with love because fear and love cannot exist at the same time. Okay, there are emotions that can exist at the same time, but it's not fear and it's not love. If love is presented to fear, real love, not the do it my way kind of love, but real love, fear will subside. If it doesn't subside, it is not fear that we're dealing with. It is hate. And hate and fear are dealt with very, very differently. So, number two, who am I to judge? Who are you to judge? This whole idea of, of this, uh, you know, passing judgment on, on others for the decisions that they have made is, is sad. It's very sad to me. It's not my place. 
Um, for those of you who, who are familiar with the Christian faith, um, there is only one judge, and it is not me. The vaccine comparison here to abortion seems really odd to me and out of place. And so I'm going to say one thing briefly about that on this, because it's, it's around this judgment thing. To me, it shows a lot of the cultural incongruence. And I just want to point that out. Cultural incongruence is really present in this whole vaccine abortion comparison. Uh, you know, the idea that, you know, my body, my choice, let me choose what I put in my body. Let me choose what I take out of my body. It's, I, I, it's, it's weird to me that people fighting on one side don't fight the same side on the next topic. And so take a look at what you're, you're saying there. I'm going to leave that alone for right now because I haven't fully formed like how I would go about that yet. Um, but I, I just know it's incongruent for sure. And I got, might have to figure out what to do with that. Uh, just as many of you will. Number three, I can't make you see my way any more than you can make me see yours. So why don't we stop trying to force others to see our way instead there is a better option. We get rid of this summer of rage and we create the summer of unity. We come together and we have these hard conversations and we do it without fists. We do it without hate. We do it from a place of emotion, but a place of care, a place of love as well. We listen and we love. Not the behavior, not the agreement, but love the person. If we did that, it would be super different. We don't have to agree to love. We can love in spite of disagreement. That's a reality. It is possible. It happens all the time. Fourth thing I want to say, the cure for fear is faith and hope. Ask any addict, any addict who has attended AA or NA. Rule number one, what is it? You know, when we, when we talk about that 12 steps, I am powerless. That means I have limitations. That's what it means. And two, there is a power greater than me. What does that mean? There is a purpose. There is something bigger and better, something that we can strive toward. And we need to take a look at what that means and what that is, whether that's God and nature or people or something. It is not fighting and killing. It is not hurting on purpose. This doesn't mean that we don't do anything. It means we work hard and we try to find purpose, purpose for ourselves, our community, and others. We need to search for that purpose. This is a, an endeavor. This is a journey we have to all go on and we have to do it now. We can't wait until next year or 10 years from now. Like We need to be on it because that is going to lead us to a potential outcome, love or hate right? Opposite sides of the same coin, right? They can't exist at the same time. One of them's up, one of them's down. Good and evil. Deeds will come out of our chosen path. If we choose love and good, we will go down one path. If we choose hate and evil, we will go down another path. My encouragement therapeutically, let's choose love and good. Because love and good, we know historically, leads to a more healthy society, a more healthy culture. Whereas hate and evil leads to an unhealthy and fallen cultures. 
Go ahead, do your history research on that. It's clear. Look, I've covered a lot of stuff. Uh, I want to tell you before I go, uh, I appreciate you sticking with me during this journey. Uh, I truly do love and care for people. And it was not a straight path for me. So I appreciate all of you listening and taking these nuggets that I give you for whatever they are worth, using them as wisely as you can, not as weapons, not as weapons, but to go out and love better. That's really the agenda. Go out and be in better relationships and be healthier. And thank you so much for your time. I very much appreciate it. Join me again throughout the week. I'm going to be posting some other podcasts, uh, maybe not quite like this, but you know they all have their unique aspects. So have a good one, and we'll talk soon.